0: Last week, we um, talked about running with purpose, and I really thought that would just be a one-off, and um, you know, I'd be done with it, but when I got... I, there was a lot more I had that I didn't get to, but I you know, I didn't think much of that, but when I got to a certain point, it was like, okay, I guess we're not going to cover a lot of this, uh, but I really don't think we're done with it. I think at, at least we're going to spend another day on it, but you know, as we do, we are um, just going to be led by the Spirit of God, because you want to get what... He is ministering to us, and He knows what we need at any given time. And, uh, you know, it's like food. You, 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 don't, you need different vitamins, minerals, uh, food to, to survive, and sometimes you need more of something than other times. Sometimes you have, you have plenty of this, but you're lacking in this, and you need to get some more of this for everything to be balanced. And uh, God knows that. And see, it's supernatural. God will feed us uh, as we need. And it, uh, He uses men and women to speak and preach and teach, but it's the Spirit of God that's quickening. You're not looking for the words. The words are important. Of course, they carry, um, they carry the message, but what you're really after is the anointing of God and the Spirit quickening your heart. Uh, John G. Lake uh, talks about how he was, in, he was in a place in Africa and he didn't know the language. And he was in a service and the man was speaking in a language he did not understand. And he was edified and built up by the end of it. It wasn't the words. And he said it wasn't the words, it's the spirit. You're not, we're not looking, you know, somebody could say something better. Maybe, you know, you, you think, well, uh, that could have been said better or this could have been organized better. You're not looking for that. If you look for that, you're going to be lost. We're not, tra- we're not training our heads right now. We use our heads. We use our brains. You understand with your brains. What you're looking for is the quickening and the anointing in the Spirit of God. Amen. You want the anointing. What's the anointing? It's God working on and through somebody. When the anointing comes on, it's His presence. We're not talking about a flesh feeling. We're not talking about you getting goosebumps and getting emotional. We're talking about the anointing, the Spirit of God. When, when you're in praise and worship, people can talk about it different ways. You say, oh, that, and we may say that, that just felt awesome or whatever, but we're not talking about a physical feeling. We're talking about the anointing. If, if When something, you have that presence and that thickness, that's the Spirit of God manifest. Yes, we carry the Spirit of God around with us all the time, But His manifest presence, like we had this morning, it's awesome. That's the anointing. The anointing can change your life, change your perspective, change, do things in you like that. That no amount of trying and struggling and willpower can do. God's presence, soaking in His presence, allowing Him to bring us up and change us and help us. There's nothing like it. Something you've dealt with for 15 years, he can just drop something in and make a little adjustment and show you something and you see something, boom, you have the answer. And you're different going forward. Where you can try to understand and you can read 15 books, not against reading books. But what are you looking for when you're reading books? You're looking for the Spirit of God leading you. You don't have time to read all the books in the world. You just literally do not have you can't possibly read everything. There's so much information. So what are you going to do? You got to be led. God knows what you need. That's why it's so important to be in church with the pastor because God that's one of the ways God gets our nutrients to us and leads us and guides us guides us and gets us what we need. It's not a man it's not a woman. It's the Spirit of God. It's His Spirit coming upon and teaching us and bringing us up. He flows through men and women, but we're looking for the anointing. We're looking for the power and the leading and the guiding and the, the sustenance, the, the, um, the spiritual food. When you leave, you should be feeling refreshed. Refreshed. You should feel built up. You should feel like you just had a good spiritual meal. You came in, you're like, hmm, you have something. May not be able to put it into words, but something got built up, stirred, settled. You walk out, you're in peace. You have some, an answer here. You have uh, some sol- solidarity and something solidified here. And you got some direction. That's what God does. It's Supernatural. It's beyond what anybody can figure out. You can't figure that out. And you can just give pat talks, too. Just go through anybody. You can just go through a Bible subject and read. We could just put a bunch of scriptures together. and You can get up and read. read it. That's not the anointing. The anointing to do it is God coming upon. He's taking a hold. And now you're not just hearing from a person. You're hearing from Him. His Word is anointed, but there uh, is a difference between hearing His Word under the anointing. You can see things that you haven't seen. You could have read that same Scripture 15 times, 20 times, 150 times, and it becomes alive to you seeing it in a different way. So God knows what we need. Amen? Amen. That's all introduction. <laughs> that isn't in my notes. But praise God. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Isn't God wonderful? Yes. You know, we, we are if, we, if you're born again, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we are in His family. Some of the family is here on earth. Some of the family is in heaven. But we're all family. And you're walking out your, uh, your assignment here on the earth. And some of the people that you know have gone to be with the Lord. But uh, we're going to go to heaven at some point. It's a real place. They, they, you know, if, if uh, like I'm from Nebraska. There are things going on in Nebraska right now. My, my daughter Brianna, she's in Oklahoma. You know, what time is it? They're, they're uh, in middle of church service themselves right now. There's stuff going on. They're not here, but it's going on there. You other people are in different states. We got people that are in Europe, you know, it's 530 over there, and they're, they're going on with their life. Well, heaven's a real place, and there's stuff going on right now. It's not like this fantasy thing that's just... No, there's real people, and things are going on right now. We know worship's going on. I'm sure there's teaching and understanding, because you're not going to know everything. We're going to spend eternity just learning. But it's a real place. This verse talks about it. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. See, it talks about... um, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and it just got done talking, and if you go through and read Hebrews 11, all these different people that have run their race, gone on to be with God, and that's what it's referring to, those that have gone on before us. We need to understand this is very real. It's very real what's going on. uh, You are running your race here, but there are those that have gone before you that are there. And if Jesus doesn't come back for a period of time, uh, a number of years, we're going to be there. I really think we're getting close. But we just have to keep going and live life by the leading of the Spirit of God day after day. But we're going to be there. If Jesus wouldn't come back for 200 years, everyone in here is going to be there. So we need to, we need to run down here. We need to walk out our life with that in mind. There, there is, uh, there's got to be a purpose and an awareness for what we're doing. It says, since we are uh, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In, In the Amplified Classic, it says, therefore, uh, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and the sin, that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to us and, and, and clings to and entangles us. Let us run with patient endurance, uh, and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race, that is set before us. I'm going to read some of that. I'm going to read that again. Notice this is very definite. This isn't hand wavy. Well, this doesn't matter. No, it matters. Let's look at. Uh, let's read verse one again. It says, "Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony." To the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. So notice there it says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, anything that gets in the way. Let's get rid of it. And we referred to it last week some. You need to... You need to be led by God on what you need to get rid of. Because not everybody has the same course. Not everybody has the same race. Not everybody's in the same phase in their life. Not everybody's in the same relationship. You know, a single person is running at that point differently than a person with ten grandchildren. You're in a different place. You know, if I'm looking at somebody, if a single person's looking at you know, somebody that's 50 years down the road running their race, they're going to look different. And if, I, if they try to, to, to run the same type of race, just talking about phases in life, you're going to be confused. Five-year-old doesn't need to do certain things that a 16-year-old does. Somebody that's single is not going to be in the same phase as somebody that, that has children. Somebody that has little children is not going to be in the same place as somebody that has adult children. What, where are you? Where... where uh, where does God have you in the phases of life? It's going to determine what, what your race is looking like at that point. What do you need to strip down? What do you need to bulk up on? And we're not talking about, at this, within this, not necessarily sin. He refers to sin in a moment. We'll talk about that. But, you know, you can have things that get in the way that they're not sin in themselves, but they're just going to be in the way. You know, driving an SUV. In a Formula One race is not a sin. Well, probably it's against the rules. But if you're trying to get somewhere fast, you don't need something big and bulky. You need something that's streamlined and fast. On the other hand, if you're going to go up mountainous roads, Formula One car is going to do you no good. Not going to help you. Even if it's a barely rough road, it's just not going to work because everything is tuned to go fast. In a smooth road. You know, if you got a bunch of hills and bumps, it's just not going to work for you. But you need to know, what do you call do? What do you need to strip off? What do you need more of? And you don't learn that by looking at everybody else. You can learn from people. But again, what are we looking for when you are looking at people or looking at what somebody else did? Of course, you're looking at the Word, but everything about your life is not in the Word. There's general counsel in the Word, there's general principles, and what God tells you for your life will never violate the Word. Never. But it doesn't tell you all the specifics in your life, who you're going to marry, what state you should live in, what job you should take. That's not in the Bible. How could it be? It's not going to fit in that book. not going to fit like this for everybody. In the world, and everybody that's coming, all the specifics? No, that's why we have the Spirit of God. So what are you looking for when you're looking at principles? You're looking for the quickening of the Spirit. It prompts you. Get rid of that. Well, so-and-so is doing it. You're not so-and-so. Drop it. Yeah, but I, it's fine for them. It's not going to help you. Yeah, but I, wanted, I, I want... We're looking for the quickening. We're looking for the prompting of God. What's he telling you to do? Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight in the sin which so readily, deftly, and clever, cleverly clings to and entangles us. Of course, we want to get rid of anything that would be against the Word of God. Anything that would be, if it's against the written Word of God, don't question it, just... Drop it, like he said here, that he's saying strip aside and throw off the encumbrances, but also sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. It'll be a hindrance, and it'll eventually trip us up. If we know it's wrong, then don't, we don't need the witness of God. If we, have the black, if we have the word, you don't need to pray about it. Did you hear me? If we know what the word says... What the Spirit of God is going to tell us to do is never against the Word. So we need to just understand if we see it, God's going to quicken us and show us that He's going to, he's going to uh, lead us by His Word, but we don't need to pray about it. We don't need to try to get some other answer. We just need to get rid of it. It said, "...let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race." That is set before us. Notice how that's said. Now, this is the Amplified. The Amplified Bible uh, brings out different nuances and the different meanings in the words and kind of paints a whole picture. Like, you know, it's amplified. You got this signal, but it's amplified and shows you everything. It can be longer to read, but there's some really good things in it. And it's really just bringing out the different meanings of the words, the possibilities. So, notice how it says this let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence, the appointed course of the race that's set before us. So several things. Notice it's with patient endurance and steady and active persistence. You know, that gives you a a picture. You're going to be doing it for a while, a long time. In other words, it's not over in 20 minutes. It's endurance, but it's also persistent. While you're enduring, you're not just, you know, laying back and, and um, just floating down the river, you are, per, you are with persistence, you're on it. You're being led by God. You're looking at Him. What are we doing now? What are we doing now? What is, what is He prompting you? Because you have a track. You have a race. And at some point it'll be finished. And you want to look back and say, I ran it by faith. I did what I was called to do. See, it doesn't matter what you have as far as um, what men would think of what you do. That That is nothing that people could, somebody could look at you and think, oh, wow, you really did amazing with this because look at all this, what they would say is success. And if you didn't follow God, What does it matter? The ultimate measure of success is, did we do what God told us to do? That's it. If God asked you to do something, and you did something else, even though you were really successful in it, quote-unquote, had good results, when you show up and stand before Jesus, He's not going to say, well, I know I gave you this plan, I know I told you specifically to do this, but you did so well over here. Good job anyway. The Bible doesn't say that. It's a well done, good and faithful servant. That means you did what I told you to do. How I told you to do it. And you can't look to somebody else to figure this out. Don't look at somebody else. You can learn from people. But don't judge from somebody else what you're supposed to do. Go to Him. Ask Him. And He will show you. He'll prompt you. He'll lead you. He'll guide each and every one of of His children. And He'll help us to do it. Anything He tells us to do, He'll help us to do it. Thank God. Thank God he's not a hard taskmaster, and he just said, well, you know, you got all this stuff you need to do, now good luck. Let me know how that works out for you. He doesn't do that. In NLT, before we go on, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by... Uh, Such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. To run the race that God has set before us. Let's look at uh, Philippians 2, verse 12. Praise God. God... He wants us to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing more than we want to. Philippians 2, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling... For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Now that doesn't mean, you know, verse verse 12. uh, First of all, men divided the Bible into chapter and verse for reference. So that we could say, hey everybody, turn to Philippians 2.12. If it's just one big letter, unless you know the letter verbatim, it's kind of hard to reference anything. Hey, turn to that part where it says this, well, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't know the letter. Okay, well, that doesn't help. So that's why it's, it's chapter and verse, but, but Paul didn't write this in chapter and verse. So here it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you as, have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, we don't have this, uh, I didn't give this verse um, uh, to the video crew, but uh, in verse 1 of Philippians 1-1, says, I just want to read you this, because this is all in the same letter. It says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So Paul and Timothy... They, They're writing, Paul's writing this letter, and notice what he says to all the saints in Christ Jesus. See, some people have made the idea in some uh, segments of the church that said saints are people that have done great things and, you know, they're in a class by themselves. That's not what the Bible teaches. He's talking to the church. A saint is just a Christian. It's just somebody you are. If you're a Christian, you are a saint. Paul says... To the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Notice he said the saints who are in Christ Jesus. That's every person that's in Jesus. That's at the beginning of this letter. Now this isn't written in chapter and verse. This is just one one letter. So if we go back to um, chapter 2 verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You well, see, people have taken that verse. This isn't exactly what we're preaching on, but we'll touch on this. People have taken that and, and used it to say, see, you're working out your salvation. In other words, you may not be saved. You've got you to work out your salvation. In context, he at the beginning all called them all saints. He said, you're in Christ. Now he's saying, working out, so you got to, you have to interpret the word, number one, in its local setting. Bible, Bible interpretation, look at the verses before it and after, it. look at the chapter that it's in, then look at the book it's in, look at other um, books by the same author, then you look at whether it's in the New or Old Testament and judge it based on the word. You don't pull a verse out of context and just make it say something. That's a good way to get in error. You will get into error. Absolutely. So if you're going to look at this, you're going to look at what's around it. We're not going to, that's not our purpose. I'm just giving you general principles. But we jump to where you look at verse uh, chapter one, verse one, and it says he started it out talking, he's already talking to saints. So this can't talk about then people that aren't saved. He doesn't jump out of that. He's already, in context, he's already talking to people that are saved. So he's talking, he's saying, work out your own salvation. That means you walk out the plan of God for your life, one step at a time, with fear and trembling. That's not run away from God fear, that's reverence. That's knowing that you are called of God and he has a plan for you, and you are going to walk it out step by step in reverence and trembling, knowing what you do matters. It's not just, well, whatever, anything goes. No, you're reverencing Him. Verse 13 then, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. He said, work it out, work out the plan of God, The, the um, your own salvation, with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. It's God working in you. God is working out His plan through you. You have specific, uh, a specific. Purpose, a specific race, a specific assignment, and God, through you, is going to work that out, because remember, we are the body of Christ here on the earth. We are His ambassadors. 2 Corinthians five twenty says, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. See, God is doing something through us on the earth. This you know, we're at the beginning of the year, but it doesn't matter. A year boundary, it's fine if it works for you to, to compartmentalize and plan, and we use it for those type of things. But God is going to keep moving you up and working His plan for you out, regardless of what the calendar says. And use it. I mean, use a calendar if it works for you to set certain things at the new year. Good. Do whatever works for you, but don't be legalistic about it. Don't make a law about it. Well, I got to do it. At the beginning of the year, and then five days in I failed, so pff, I'm done and go get depressed and forget everything for three weeks because I already fell off my resolution or whatever. Hey, do whatever works for you, but don't be, don't be pulled off by something that, it's not in the Bible. It doesn't say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt start new things at the beginning of the year and at the in, beginning of the year only, and if you mess up, you have to wait till the next year. A lot of people do that. You know, a lot of people get gym memberships and then don't use them. And then they do something maybe two years later because they just don't even want to think about it the next year. And they just keep making a run at the hill. Maybe it'll work better. You know, new me. New year, new me. It's me. As if the, the, the clock ticking, you know, a few hours and ticking past midnight in your time zone. And the calendar going from December back up to January suddenly did something to everything in you that you put in there for 40 years. It's, I'm not making fun of that. I mean, I'm just saying, whatever works, do that. But don't be put in that box where it has to look like a certain thing. God is going to work in you all year long. So, you know, it may be December 13th and you just may, had a breakthrough. Maybe May 5th, and you just had a breakthrough. Maybe January 2nd, a couple days after the new year. You're like, I don't feel any different. Nothing's, and and you know, you just, you get something, and boy, it clicked. So don't get caught up with that. If it works for you, do it. Do do whatever works for you. But my point is, don't, don't let things, don't get legalistic about things. Follow the Bible. Follow what God says, and let Him lead you. And he said, uh... If you can go back to um, verse 13 uh, Philippians 2:13 it says God says for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. In other words, God we read in Hebrews, God has a race for you to run. We're supposed to run it with endurance, with persistence, staying on it, stripping away stuff that doesn't work, stripping away stuff that's going to slow us down. Stripping any sin away that's going to entangle us. And here it says God is working in you. It's Him working His plan for your life out. Well, doesn't He know what you need? Doesn't He know what you need to get rid of? If He is the one giving you the plan, and He knows, the Bible says, the end from the beginning. So if He's saying, I want you to do such and such, He's got a plan for you to go. He's going to know what you need and what you don't need better than any man. You can read 15 books on what you need to follow God. You just got to be careful because that person that's writing the book is writing it from their perspective. What worked for them may not work for you. They may be called different than you. So you can't take everybody else's Plan and try to try it on and do what they're doing and see if that works. It, it doesn't work that way. We're to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and be led with, by Him, and His Spirit is going to lead us and guide us in His plan, and He's going to help us fulfill that plan. Not somebody else's plan. Not somebody else's way. You say, Well, I've messed up certain things and I'm over here and I just don't see how to get out. God knows it because everybody's messed something up. We've all We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he, you need to, instead of looking backwards and saying, well, what if, what if, that's not going to do anybody any good. Just say, I'm here. God, you have a plan for me. You show me what to do. I'm going to do that. And this verse applies. He is working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. What we need to do is forget what happened before and say, God, I'm here now. I, I may have done stuff that I shouldn't, but... I know you now and I know you're bigger than any circumstance and I look to you, Lord, show me the path now. I'm going to go on that. I'm going to change what I need to change now. And he will help us do it. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. It's not your willpower that's going to get it done. It's not your self-discipline that you can have an idol of these things. Self-discipline is not a dirty word. Willpower is not a dirty word. It's just, it's got to be properly framed. You did, Paul talks about being disciplined. We're going to read about it in a minute. He talks about putting his body under, but it's in the context of he's already submitted himself to God. God tells him what to do. Then by the grace of God, he's going to put his body under and do what God told him to do. Not, I'm going to put my body under because I'm so great. That will bring you down faster than anything. Because you just exalted your will and your, your discipline above God helping you. That's not going to work. People do that all the time in the world. And it's just a matter of time before you're going to fall. That's, that's idolatry. It's the same as putting any other thing. My money, my connections, whatever, on the throne. My whatever. Now, God is going to show us what to do, and He's going to help us do it. He's in us to will and to do for His good pleasure. See, it's all about Him. Not about you, not about me. Your path, what He has for you, is to be lived in His power and His ability. What He told you to do, you can only do effectively. That is, effectively fulfilling His call for your life in His strength. In other words, there's no way to fake what he told you to do in your own power. Did you, are you with me? In other words, you can't con God. You can't say, well, this is good enough, right? I, I know you said to do this. I did it like this. I did it. I, I did such and such. If you did it in your own power, you're not doing it the way he told you to do it. Because if, if you're going to follow him, he's always going to have you walk by faith. He's always going to tell you stuff that's going to stretch you. And that's never going to end. So just get used to it. If you're going to walk with God, He's going to keep going, bringing you up. And to do what He called you to do, you're going to have to rely on Him. You're going to have to look to Him. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Looked at that, this last week. You guys okay? 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 says, Do do you not know that those who run in a race... You know, he's talking about us running in a race. We read in Hebrews. Do you not know that those who run in uh, a race all run but one receives the price, run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown, um, can you put verse 26 on up? Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, I, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. So he's saying, again, you see the what we read in Hebrews, persistence. there's purpose here. Not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, just shadow boxing, not actually hitting anything. Next verse it said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Let's read it um, in the Amplified Classic. Verse 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race. Run your race. Run your race. What does that look like? Somebody please tell me. you got to go to God. He's going to show you. What do I need to... What's the next step? God will show you. He loves you so much He loves you more than than we can comprehend. He wants you to take the next step and the right step more than you do. So just trust that. Say, God, I'm not sure, but Lord, you know how to communicate with me. You know how to, to tell me and to guide me and lead me. You know when I'm hearing you and when I'm not hearing you. So show me, We've been talking about hearing from him on Wednesdays. I encourage you to go listen to those messages if you haven't. We, we covered some stuff even Wednesday about following the plan of God and doing that with patience. But God knows how to get across to you what you need to hear. And he knows if you're not getting it. And he loves you so much. We need to have so much trust in him that God, you're, I trust you to show me what to do, what to take off, what to put on, how to run my race. And I know... That you love me so much that if I'm not giving it, if I'm not getting it, you'll send three people across my path to help me get it. And if I still don't get it, you'll send another five. And you'll, you'll help me come across, you know, uh, messages or whatever I need so that I see it. We need to put ourselves in the palm of his hand and say, Lord, I am trusting you. You show me. And then when I do know, when he is leading me and when he's communicating with me, We've been talking about how to, how to understand what's Him and what's not on Wednesdays. But when we understand what's Him, then we just do it. Take the step. Well, I don't know. I don't see how that's going to work. Take the step. And then He'll lead you the next step. And He'll lead you the next step. And you might think, how am I going to get rid of it? I know I should lay some of this stuff down. I know it's getting in my way. But God, how? He'll show you what to do next. Anybody that has been on any size of projects knows you don't try to cover everything at once. You can't do everything at once. you got to break it down. Well, you say, I don't even know how to break it down. I don't know where to begin. He'll show you. He already knows. He knows the end from the beginning. So if you look to him, he'll show you. He knows where you need to be. And you can be saying, yeah, but there's this and this. And he'll say, just, just do this. Focus on this one thing. Just get it, get it out of the way. Yeah, but... Why? Just do what he tells you to do. And as we do that, the next thing will be obvious, and the next thing, and then you'll look back and go, wow, all that stuff is out of the way. How did that happen? Because you just took it step at a time and did what he told you to do. Do we understand that his way is going to be the fastest, most efficient, most effective way, period? There is no way that's going to be faster than his way. Yeah, but if I don't tackle all these things at once, I'm not going to get there. If that were the best way, he would tell you to do it. He knows. So we don't, we don't, uh, let's read verse 24 here. Do not do you not know that in a race all runners compete but only one receives the prize so run your race that you may lay a hold of the prize and make it yours verse 25 now every athlete goes into training who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things they do it to win a wreath you know, a prize that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run with uncertainty without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air or striking without an adversary. But, I, like, but like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships and subdue it. For fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved or rejected as a counterfeit. He's not necessarily talking about not being saved, he's saying, I don't want to get I don't want to be running the race and, and telling other people what to do and then I let these things trip me up and now I look like a fraud. So there is a place to put stuff down, to put your body down, absolutely. But it's got to be in context of what is God telling us to do. Notice it's with a purpose. It should be with a purpose. What's the purpose of the discipline? What's the purpose of laying something aside? Just so I can say I laid it aside? Just so I can compare myself to somebody else? At the end of the day, that's not going to be good enough. A lot of people will do a lot of self-discipline for things that are completely natural and carnal. They just want to look good in comparison to somebody else or something, but they'll go to drastic lengths to do it. And everybody has to walk out what they believe they should do. But everything we do as Christians ought to be with the counsel of Scripture and with the purpose that He that goes along with what he's called us to do. In other words, everything you do, you're not just doing it because, hey, everybody else is doing it. it's cool and I'm gonna get these results. You're doing it because it lines up with the plan of what he told you to do. Not somebody just taking swings at the air, but somebody, every punch is with a purpose. Every punch is. Is accomplishing something. I'm disciplined in my body because I am doing what He told me to do. Romans 12, uh, 3. God is a good God and He will help us to do this. God is not standing up, you know, sitting on his throne in, in heaven with his arms folded and going, you know, you little pesky humans, let's see. Yeah, this is what I want you to do. Just go do it and try not to mess it up too bad. All right, go ahead. You know, and then looking down on you every time you, you're trying to do it. You know, is this good enough? See, people have an image of God as this hard taskmaster. God is, that's so far from him. He sent His Son to die for us, to help us in this life. We're supposed to be just replicas of Jesus going around doing the part that God would give us to do. And He not only is telling us what to do, He gives His help, His grace, His ability to do it. Every step. Verse 3, Romans 12, verse 3 says... For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought. Didn't say not to think of yourself highly. He said not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. They're two different things. You're supposed to think highly of yourself because you're a son or daughter of Almighty God. But you're not supposed to be haughty in thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He said, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What's that measure of faith to do? Verse 4 says, For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. ministering. He who teaches and teaching... He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So he says in verse uh, three, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And then he goes in to say, we are m- for we are members in one body, and we don't have the same function. And then he met, he he uh, lists several different types of gifts. He's saying God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. To do what? To do what He told you to do. To do what He's anointed you to do. To do what He's called you to do. You are going to have faith in the ability, in the grace of God, to do what He's called you to do but you're not going to have it for everybody. You're not going to have other people's grace. You're not going to have the faith to do... When you look at somebody and go, how, how can they do How do they believe that they can do that? Because if they're, if they're a Christian, if they're doing what God told them to do, it's been put in them to be able to do that. And so we need to look to Him. You're not going to have the ability and the faith and the, the grace of God to do what somebody else is doing. You're only going to have what He called you to do. The good news is, you're going to have everything you need to do what He called you to do. Amen? And do it well. Do it in excellence. Oh, He's faithful. He's faithful. Praise God. Thank God. Let's just be quiet before Him just for a moment. I'm just going to pray in the Spirit a little bit. It's just a, a prompting to do I just feel like there's something else, but don't know quite what it is. So, you know, if you're, if you're filled with the Spirit, you can pray into your breath. But that's what I'm doing. I'm just praying in the Spirit uh, for a moment. I want you to see something because there's something. Now I see where we're going. Fin- it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Go ahead. Next verse. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for the saints. As I was praying there, it just came up in me. You notice it said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. This, this uh, Verse 10 started out saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, and that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There is a spiritual realm. As we're talking about these things, you, one thing, how should I say I don't know if it's a word or if it's just... Me uttering it. Praise you, Lord. Help me to get it out, Lord. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. If you're going to walk in the supernatural plan of God for your life, part of that is going to be praying out mysteries in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. Don't shy away from that. Run into it. It is the power of God. There is a realm beyond anything we can see or feel in this realm. There is a power. There is a spiritual realm. And part of the way, when you become, if, we want, if anybody wants to talk about this afterwards, I'm happy to talk about it. But there is the infilling of the Spirit of God. Uh, Jesus told the disciples, you wait in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power before you go out. And so when they, the Holy Spirit fell on them and they were, the Bible says uh, that the Spirit of God fell on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the, the Spirit gave them utterance. That is supernatural. And what is going on is you are speaking out mysteries by the Spirit of God. You're speaking things that may sound It's incomprehensible to your natural mind. You're speaking in a heavenly language. But you speaking those things out are speaking out mysteries in your own life. Part of the way you're going to know what the plan is, part of the way you're going to know what to strip off and what to put on and where to go and who to marry and what job to take and what decisions to make are going to be you speaking these things out and praying them out in other tongues. God gave that to us as as a... super weapon we don't what wrestle can you put uh verse 12, 11 up it says for the whole, put on the whole armor of god that you may able to to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There is a spiritual realm, and we need spiritual equipment to walk in this day and age. We need to understand that God has a plan, a purpose, but there is a supernatural element to it. It's not going to be something you can just figure out. So we need to yield to that. We need to... uh, Charge in, run into the supernatural, run into the things of God, run into all he has given us and let him lead us and guide us and help us through these things, the gifts and the infilling of the spirit of God that will help us to walk out that plan rather than our natural moral muscle and might and and self-will that you're, we, we can't. Those, those, those are not the weapons that we need in this realm to fight the fight that we have. Yeah. There is an anointing and a, and the spirit of Almighty God that we need to run our race and to wage war, spiritual war. You can't go in to a na- to a spiritual battle with natural weapons. We need to pick those up. We need to press in to what God has for us. Doesn't matter what it sounds like. Doesn't matter what the spiritual language sounds like. Doesn't matter if it has two syllables. I give this example when I have people... Well, I'll ask if so, anybody wants to be filled with the, the Spirit of God when well, I'll talk to them. Uh, I, you know, I have a software engineering background, and at, the, at the, the bottom of it, when you get down to everything, you're dealing with all ones and zeros next to the hardware. All it, and there's just you know stuff under that that's just emulating ones and zeros, and all it is is electricity going at one level or another. But once you get down all the words, all the games, all the applications, all that, it comes down to ones and zeros. And you look at the ones and zeros and go, how, what does that mean? But all of it can be interpreted in, you know, what, what, bigger sections that then can, you can do anything with it. You can interpret it as colors, you can interpret it as words, or as letters, as coordinates, whatever, and you can build anything. Don't get caught up on what it sounds like. See, everybody, if you're going to pray in the Spirit of God it, it, through the Spirit, your mind is going to go, this is stupid. You sound like an idiot. And the world will back you up on that. Why do you think it's been attacked? Why do you think it's been mocked? Because Satan's afraid of it. Because he can't understand it. And it is the Spirit of God or er, er, praying through you things to come. He cannot understand crack that code. He doesn't know what's being said, and he knows that the Spirit of God's praying through you mysteries, the Bible says. So don't be surprised if something's being mocked real hard. Look at all the other things that are clearly in Scripture that are mocked. Well, that's a sure sign. If the the world's for it, be wary. There's a whole lot of things the world's for right now. Clearly go against Scripture. Scripture whole lot of things it's against clearly go against Scripture. Don't use that to determine what you do and don't do. Your mind may say, what? This is foolish. This is stupid. You don't listen to your mind. How can your mind figure out that a girl, a virgin, bore the Son of God on the earth and that he went through life, a carpenter, sinless, and went to the cross and died and was buried and rose again and by that it paid Uh, for all the sin of the whole world. Compute that with your mind. Heaven's a real place. Where is it? There's so many things that if you're going to take the Word of God at face value, you're not going to understand And we need to get past that. Past what we understand and press into the supernatural. God God is going to show us and show each person more and more uh, what you're to do, and part of that is not just you figuring it out. Part of it's going to be you speaking out and yielding to the Spirit of God on the inside of you, and as you do, it's going to build you up, the Bible says, and mysteries are being spoken out, and that will bubble up through your spirit, and you'll start to understand. You'll get glimpses of it with your mind, and you'll understand, this is what I'm supposed to do. It could come as a picture. It could come as words. I'm not talking about an audible voice. But you could be praying something out. I've done this. Praying things out, and you start to see what it looks like. You start to see, this is what we ought to do. And you think about it, yeah, that just seems good. And the more you pray about it, it seems good. And the more you pray about it, it seems better. That's God leading you and confirming the direction you're supposed to go. You can't can't figure that out. But supernatural. Supernatural. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Praise Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, boste ila la ina, onoshto ola e picket in mosto lande, e keto locotosta ina, mandela tota e meste, e ke la toste in la mondo, e ketela oste, inande, e lande, e postonde. The path is supernatural. The path is God-given. The path is God-directed, but it's supernatural. It's not with your eyes. It's not with your flesh. It's not with your mind. It's not with your connections, but it's by the Spirit of the living God who will direct you and guide you and tweak this and help that, and only by the Spirit, And only by the supernatural power of God will everything be fulfilled and come to pass as it ought to be. And as planned out by the Almighty, as planned out by the one that knows the beginning or knows the end from the beginning, knows all things. But it will come supernaturally. It will come by His Spirit. Praise God.